0: My name is Roger Colby, and this is Riding His Hard Work. Today, I have uh, Eric Buchanan, uh, all the way from Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, this show is broadcast out of uh, Oklahoma. Uh, yeah. I won't talk about Oklahoma too much. Um, mm. <laughs> but... Uh, uh,
1: I, I know the course, and that's it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I... um I saw Eric on, uh, on Eric and he's got a new book out. Um, and Eric is a writer like me and like everybody listening to the show. And we just wanted to talk for a little bit about the writing process. I've got some prepared questions for him, but first of all, Eric, can you tell me a little bit about yourself and, uh, talk about, uh, your new book and
1: well, like away, see. man. All right. Well, let's see. I was young when the dinosaurs roamed the earth. Um, you know, the seventies, um, <laughs> So yeah, I'm old-ish. Um, I've been uh, many things in my life. Um, an actor, uh, a fight director, a um, communications consultant, but as I say in my bio, I don't mention that much because it doesn't sound nearly as cool. Um, I've also been writing since I was a wee lad back in the 70s, um, <laughs> but really didn't uh, get into get to anything published or get serious about it until probably uh, late 1990s, early 2000s. And then um yeah, since then uh, for the last I can't even remember how many years, so let's say five, six years, I've been working as a primarily as a ghostwriter, um, after I got laid off from my from my job as a consultant. And um and yeah, that's uh, that's basically me. Um the fun highlights anyway. The uh, the book is called The Trials of Abuath which is the uh, first book in a new series of novellas that I'm um, self-publishing. Uh, previous to this, I was um, traditionally published through a great little Canadian press called Dragon Moon Press, where you'll find my books, Small Magics, Cold Magics, and True Magics. You may notice a theme in them, but, you know, people, people that discover that for themselves. Um, and uh, so I did that and then started ghostwriting. And so I wrote about 10, I think, books. I actually lost track, which is a terrible thing, but I wrote 10 books during that. Um, all have been published, none have my name on them, and I can't tell you anything more about them than that it was fun. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's ghost Because right I now. had that non-disclosure. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so The Trials of Edwith is about a young woman who, uh, who wants to be a knight and join the knights of the exculpatory order who fight miscreations. And miscreations are magical creatures that roam this particular fantasy world, which I, which I set the book in. And and you know she's she's a she's a she's a strong young woman. She knows how to ride a horse. She knows how to sword fight and wrestle and knows how to shoot a pistol and a rifle. And and okay, so she has some trouble doing magic, but she's pretty sure she can overcome that. And um and yeah, the story is of her going to the knights. What happens on the way? Her first day in another one of the initiates is gruesomely murdered, and that's where our story begins. And so that's the new book, and I encourage everyone who's listening to immediately rush out and buy a copy, or better yet, sign up to my, um, sign up to my newsletter and get your copy free, because that way I get your email for my list, which is the single most important thing for a writer these days, yeah. or at least an independent one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's the basics
0: cool um well you know right away uh you know, I'm, a, I'm a huge uh, fantasy fan anyway um, even though I don't write fantasy yeah um, we all write fantasy in a way I mean we really do um but high fantasy is yours high fantasy is it what would you classify it as
1: um I'd almost say personal I mean it's it's actually it's, um, the the series and I'm probably giving away a little too much at this moment is a series of fantasy murder mysteries. Oh, cool! Uh, centering, centering around our character Abbey with and and the life that she grows out of this first book, um, I don't write high fantasy. I find it's been done really, really well by other people, mm-hmm. and incredibly tritely by a huge number of other people. <laughs> and so, there's in the in the Magic's books, um, it grew up a bit towards a more high fantasy thing as our as the as the stakes for the characters went from personal to countrywide uh-huh. but for the most part I find high fantasy boring to write yeah. I find characters interesting and the lower the fantasy is the more the more fun you have with that sure. if you have, like in our world that we said that I said trials Abba within yeah there's a lot of magic our hero has a little trouble with it there's monster magical monsters created by wizards which are roaming the countryside there's knights who can use magic and all these sorts of things but it's not about her saving the universe or anything like that it's about her Living her life and becoming this person that she becomes in book two, three, four, five, six, and if it works, twenty five. Wow. They're novellas. They're short. You can crack them out quick. Awesome. Um, So I'm a I'm a huge
0: I'm a huge old school Tolkien fan. I think Mm -hmm. I've probably read. Actually, I have read everything he's written, including his letters. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've uh, I actually wrote a few years ago. I wrote a, a a blog post that ended up getting spun all over the place because I didn't have copyright on it. Even Ooh. though I wrote it, it gets, it ends up in everybody's thing. And yeah. Um, it was called uh, Tolkien's 10 tips for writers.
1: <laughs> and what
0: I did was I gleaned his letters to figure out like, okay, if you were going to sit down with Tolkien, what would he have to say about writing?
1: Probably and, don't write the first book the way he did the fellowship of the rings.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm using that to kind of segue into the, into the the thought about like the writing process. So what, what would be your ideal writing process?
1: It it really varied over, over the years. I mean, I used to be, um, I always hated the term pants or, you know, writing by the mm-hmm. seat of your pants, but that's yeah. that's how I wrote. I just, I like called it free writing because I, mm-hmm. you know, fancy. Um, but that used to be my process of just sit down and blat onto the keyboard and let it all come out and then edit it later. And when I got into ghost writing and into, uh, into that where there's deadlines, there's things that the clients need to make sure that what you're writing is what they're looking for. I really became um, very passionate about outlining, about having things and create and like charts, which we'll talk about when we get to writing tips and then for other people um, that help me understand what characters are doing and really having a solid outline as a base so that when I sit down each day to write, I can look at um, either where I'm at in the story and say, oh, yes, I'm here and start writing. Or I can look at where I'm at in the story and say, what the was i thinking and and go back and look at my outline and say oh yeah this is happening here because this is going to happen here right. and it goes on and especially with with the abowitz books with the uh with the mystery aspect to it with mysteries you got to have clues yeah. and you've got to lay those clues out in a way um and i forget who i'm quoting with this but a, a much better writer than i murder Mystery Writer, and i said the detective should never know anything that the audience doesn't and the key is to having the audience join for the ride and see if they can figure out all the bits. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it was funny when I wrote The Trials of Abworth and sent off to my, uh, my friend, who, uh, Leah Baba, who is a, an amazing author herself, but also a wonderful editor. Um, she, uh, she went through the book three times when she was editing it. And she wrote in the first book, in the, in the first chapter, okay, this bit is really unnecessary and don't need here. And then I saw a note directly beneath it, which obviously came from the second edit where she went, oh, this is the first tell, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the idea. So, so for, for me, it's a process of, um, I guess, concept, broad outline, chapter outline, scene outline, and yeah. then um, and then writing. And often with the scene outline, there's there's a lot of character work that goes into that too. Mm-hmm. And um, being being a master of the acronym, I, I I create an acronym for my character chart, which is GAMISKAK! <laughs> yeah. So everyone remember GAMISKAK! Um, which stands for goals, motivations, stakes, conflict, action, agency, and consequence. And every scene needs to have these, yeah. no matter how big or how small. Yeah. Because if characters do not have something they want, they're boring to read. Yeah. It's one of my biggest complaints with um, bad literary fiction. Good literary fiction, I got to say, is amazing because there's so much depth in all that. But the bad literary fiction, you're watching these people stumbling about doing nothing (laughs) because they have nothing they want. Um, I won't name any books. There's a couple that I hate profusely, which I'm not going to talk about. Um, But the good stuff... Where you where the characters have goals, where they have something that motivates those goals, where they have stakes for those goals, whether it's personal interior goals, as you see in literary fiction, or if it's exterior goals, like you see in a lot of genre fiction, or in a lot of good fiction, both. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's what makes great fiction. So that's um that's my process, and then I try to write at least a thousand words a day, um for myself plus whatever I write for my clients.
0: I'm I'm all for writing a thousand words a day. I think that's like the 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 bedrock of just, you know, and you'll, you'll turn out garbage times, most times, Ooh. but, uh, but you know, I can come back and, and, uh, mess with that later, but getting yeah. it down, I, I usually, I'm kind of a, I'm kind of both a pantser and a planner. I mm. plan out characters with backstory and I create, um, worlds, um, it's funny I, I talked to timothy zahn i think i've said this on another podcast but i talked to timothy zahn one time he's a guy that wrote uh all the thron series and stuff and uh i told him about creating all these worlds because i'm kind of like talking in that i just make all this stuff and he's like why did you do that you wasted your time just <laughs> make it when you need to make it if you need an ice planet just make an ice planet <laughs>
1: Yeah. I, you know. I actually lean a bit towards his style myself, um, mm-hmm. more so when I was pantsing. Mm-hmm. I, was, I was talking with, um, taking a name drop, Ed Greenwood, who oh, yeah. created Forgotten Realms. Mm-hmm. I met through, he's a Canadian. I met him through the Toronto writing scene, not realizing that my ex-wife's mother already knew him because he's also a librarian at her local library. <laughs> Small world. Wow. But we were on a panel talking about this, and he talked about as as you said the importance of building that world and and creating all that backstory and knowing where everything is so that your characters can move through it. Yeah. And he was like, "What about you?" And you know, the person asked, "What about you?" And I was like, hey, 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 um, "I make stuff up when I need it." Um, if and 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 so for me, it's um the the plot is the main thing whether that's the interior plot of the characters or the or the plot of the story and yeah. the world gets built around it mm-hmm. um with the Ebel with books i wanted something sort of italianate yeah. uh more or less 17th century-ish with you know whatever variety you like in there because the joy of writing fantasy is that um as someone wiser than i once said you don't have to be accurate you have to be consistent
0: yeah you do so,
1: so yeah. if you if your fantasy book features this one thing that didn't exist in real-time or or didn't doesn't feature something that should have existed at that time that's fine as long as you consistently do that throughout yeah
0: it's the same in science fiction too i mean i can create uh some odd machine um the machine has to work the same way every time and Mm -hmm. when it breaks down it does certain things yeah when you can fix it you know that um i think about the same like okay like right now I'm working on a book um, and, and this is funny cause I've worked on five or six and started five or six during this pandemic mm-hmm. and just haven't pushed them out. You know, I just get somewhere and I'm like, ah, no, that's fine. I, I don't like that anymore. I, I, I'm not excited about it. And then that has become, all those have become one now. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I'm, I'm writing a thing right now in, in uh, England it's set in England uh, about 184 AD with the ninth um, the ninth legion of yep. the Roman Legion that disappeared. Mm-hmm. And so um I I have a book that I read <laughs> like last month. I read this book and it's it's a very academic book about Roman soldiers, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what I do. I just go and if I want something, I go read a book. I watch a YouTube video, whatever. Oh, yes. I used to be really plan, plan, plan. But now I'm just like, okay, wait, I need to find out about the Romans. I need to figure this out. And so I go to write it as accurate as I can, you
1: know. Well, there's, um, uh, and I forget what the actual editor's mark stands for, TK. Mm-hmm. Which is, um, it's an editor's mark. It means something specific. And I stole it and add a period to it because tk period is a combination of letters and symbols you will never find in the english language. Yeah. So if i'm writing something and i think and they do this thing. Mm-hmm. and I realize i have no clue what this thing is. Yeah. Put I TK. put tk period <laughs> research this. That's brilliant. And then i later as I, after i've done the draft i will search for tk period in my book and go through and find each of my notes in the text.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And then research them and fix the mess that I've
0: made. That's funny. I have Scrivener. I use Scrivener for to write my books, and um, Scrivener actually has a a macro you can use for that. It puts cool. a dot in there, and you can put it in the note, and then that note is is categorized, and you can tag it. Yeah. So I'll tag it with like mm. need to go back and research this, mm. <laughs> and that's my yeah. my list gets populated
1: hmm so you, you can do something similar with word with comments but i find that clicking the comment and then opening that and doing that yeah right so it better just tk period do this tk thing.
0: period that's fantastic i'm going to start using it it's,
1: it's it's an easy cheat and tk is actually an editor's note and all the editors that i know who are listening to this are going oh my god you know nothing buchanan after all these years uh <laughs> i can't remember what it means for the life of me that's
0: <laughs> so great um let's see uh are there any any authors that inspire you? Who inspires you?
1: Uh, about ten million eight hundred sixty five thousand thirty two. <laughs> um, recently, I just finished um, V.E. Schwab, Victoria Schwab's latest book. Um, the was the secret life of Addie Larue. Um, now I have to look this up because I have to say I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna punt, I'm going to actually push it right now. Addie Larue is an amazing freaking book. Um, and amazingly inspiring for me to read this book and to to see okay that's not helpful Um, uh, to see how this woman has created a wonderful character uh, which we follow throughout history yeah a woman who no one remembers oh wow and and so she does this wonderful job of Creating characters and and finding the depths of those characters and walking them through the process of their lives, which I find fascinating. We can talk about Neil Gaiman and his ability to build Mm -hmm. worlds uh, from the Sandman comic books up to uh, Stardust, which is my favorite silly little novel, um, to American Gods and Uh the Nancy Boys and the incredible depths and character and ways he plays with mythology. Tolkien, of course, was a huge influence when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, as were about 8,000 different comic books, because I read continuously, sure. yeah. I actually started reading when I was two years old, um, which shocked the hell out of my parents, I guess, but, and it just never stopped, because there's so much out there, um, um, there's a series of books whose author I can't remember, set in Wales, in mythical Welsh times, mm. um, which were wonderful, there was um, uh Canadian authors. We talk about Margaret Atwood. We talk about uh, Margaret Lawrence. We talk about um, Robertson Davies, all of whom have not aged so well as one might think, though Margaret Atwood is still alive and pumping out fiction. Robertson Davies was, is one of my favorite authors for the way he develops characters. Yeah. But in reading him later on, the racism in the very Victorian 70s minds, post-Victorian 1970s mindset is a little horrifying. Let me tell you. Is. So, so you've got to read it with that open eye. And that's one of the things that's actually very, very wonderful that's happening now, is that instead of just saying, oh, these authors are great and amazing, look at all these things, uh, people are starting to read them with an open eye and saying, yes, this person does great character stuff, but oh, my God, what a jerk. Uh, <laughs> what a racist. How sexist. Roald Dahl uh, does wonderful children's books. I read one of his adult books, and oh, my God, he's a sexist pig. Um, <laughs> But it was very much the sexism of the time in the culture, which we recognize now as really, really bad behavior. Right? And so, yes, all these authors, so many of them inspired me along the ways. And as you know, as a writer, you ingest bits and pieces yeah. that you like, and they all come together and sort of coalesce in your head in this big mess until you have something which starts spewing back out. Uh, sure. Stephen King does that wonderful metaphor about a, a great uh, mm-hmm. in your brain above the sewage that is your subconscious and everything pours down in there. Mm-hmm. The stuff that gets stuck in the grade is what you're writing or, or occasionally it bubbles over and then sucks back and whatever gets stuck in the grade is what you write, which is that. I, uh, I keep copies. Season.
0: I'm a, I'm an English teacher by trade and I keep copies of on writing in my classroom.
1: Yeah. It's a great,
0: uh, book. it's, it's probably one of the great, one of the great books to read. If you want to write, it's,
1: it, it covers so many things. It is the reason my first book got published. Yeah. Um, because I, when I wrote Small Magic the first time, and I sent it around a few times, it wasn't getting anywhere. And I read on writing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'm on my second copy now. And it really made a difference in terms of how I approached language, in terms of how I approached the story. Mm-hmm. And allowed me to clean up the book to a level that um, made it publishable. Yeah, Right? And really helped me move forward in the whole writing career. He should know a few things. I mean,
0: <laughs> the guy, mm-hmm. you ever hear his story about the nail on his wall?
1: Yes, with all the with all the rejection slips all on the, it, all the rejection slips, and he pulled the nail out of the wall. No, I mean that, that man wrote better stoned out and drunk than I have sober. Sometimes um, he he has. Well, there's a,
0: Philip K. Dick. You know, he wrote everything while he was on acid.
1: <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> explains so much about Philip K. Dick. <laughs> I haven't read a lot of his, to be honest. So.
0: Yeah, he's he's interesting. It's worth it though. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, I'm going to skip to this next question here um, uh, so how do you get your books in front of readers and what are some ways you connect with readers?
1: Well, that's, that's a, a bit of a story. So I should mention I'm a marketing consultant, a communications mm-hmm. consultant, among other things. Okay. And so I've, um, the, the self-publishing thing is new to me. I just started doing it now. I was writing books that other people published for me, um, that the through dragon moon press. And then I was ghostwriting for a while because I had, life stuff happening that prevented me from doing that and producing my own work. Right. Um, and I started, the, I started the, the self-publishing simply because it was easier than hunting for an agent and getting another book out. Mm-hmm. But in terms of getting people to read the work, um, I, I got to drop into marketing speak for a bit, so forgive You're me. Out of here. Um, we got publicity and we have marketing. And they're two different things, which is something a lot of people don't realize. Publicity is free. This interview is publicity. Mm-hmm. I'm talking to you about writing and people are going to listen to us and say, hey, these guys talk about interesting stuff. I should look up their books and buy a couple because right, I like yeah. it. that's publicity. Marketing costs money. Yeah. Marketing is advertising. And both are important. Um, publicity. Um, and it's actually a combination of publicity and marketing. My favorite thing is going to writing conventions and sci-fi conventions mm-hmm. um, because I get to talk to people. And like you, I was listening to your podcast, getting prepared in case you're one of these sneaky guys who asked the hard questions. Um, but uh, and and you were talking about going, getting the table and sitting at the table and talking to folks as they come through. I think that was you talking, to it, or was it your yeah. guest? I can't remember. Yeah, it was it you. And me. Yeah, and I use, I do that all the time. And I'm now going to give all your all your listeners and you some very scientific made-up numbers about work in the table. Okay. If you're sitting at the table in a con, you have a 2% chance of selling a book. Yeah. If someone walks by and you say hello to them and they say hello back, you have a 25% chance of selling yep. them a book. Yep. If they come over and talk to you about your books, you have a 50% chance. Mm-hmm. And if you talk to them and then hand them the book for them to hold in your hand, that chance goes up to 75%. Yeah. Because what marketing is about, what promotions is about, what advertising is about, is about making connections with other people. Yeah. The single most important things we do as writers, as, as people, right? So if, if someone's walking by in the con and they're one of 10,000 people at a convention, you say, hey, how you doing? You know, and, they, and they, they're like, oh, someone said hello to me in this place where nobody knows me. Hi, back. Yeah. You've made the first connection. Uh-huh. And then you get to chit chat, and then you don't want to talk too long because you got ten thousand other people you want to sell books to. Not that you ever do, but we can dream, man. We can dream. <laughs> we can dream. Um, but uh, and so and so, making that connection with the person, getting getting them to see that you're a human being, getting them interested in what you're talking about. I, I cannot emphasize enough the importance of a good elevator pitch. Yes. Um, with uh, small magics, uh, my first book is a story of a young man who discovered his magic in a world where no one believes in it anymore, except for one person who's willing to kill to possess it all. Whoa. Yeah. That's a great pitch, dude. Thank you. Here's <laughs> the book. Have a look at the back cover and see what you think. Yeah. It would have gone better if we didn't have that typo on the back cover. <laughs> oh man. I went through it. My editor went through it. My publisher went through it. And the word the appeared twice in a row on the back cover. And so every time someone found it, we're like, yay, you found it. Yeah.
0: Well er, you what know, I've read, you
1: read. I don't know how many
0: multiple published books I've read that have typos in them. They're all oh. through
1: there, yeah. Uh, Tanya Huff, I think it was is a Canadian, uh, Canadian uh, fantasy writer, a very good one. If you if you have, and write science fiction, if you happen to read her books, mm-hmm. tells about one edition of her books where she got the copy and the words there, there, and there were all spelled T H E Y apostrophe R E. Wow! Throughout the book. <laughs> she was just like and this is out and it was (laughs) so so yeah typos everywhere but yeah that connection is the single most important thing so when we talk about publicity on twitter on instagram on facebook on the social media when we're doing the blog circuit or when we're doing the the interview circuit with 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 Mm -hmm. podcasts or or what have you Mm -hmm. it's all about making a connection with our readers yeah um being interesting in an honest way Right? Because right? I can tell you all about my wonderful times back in the 70s when I was hanging out with um, some famous Starsky and Hutch type famous person, but it's all bull anyway, so no one's going to yeah. believe, right? Because in the <laughs> 70s, I was like, you know, like 2 to 10, or I think 2 to 12. Um, <laughs> um, but if we can make that connection with the reader, if we can show our passion for what we do mm-hmm. and share that passion with them. Yeah. That's what makes for good publicity. And that gets that first grab. So that's one of the ways. The other ways is marketing. It's advertising and it's spending money. And the single greatest advice you can give to anybody who wants to get into writing is have money (laughs) like everything else in the world. Have money. It's easier. Um, Right now with the new book, I'm doing a $5 a day ad buy on Facebook, Mm -hmm. which isn't much. It's pretty cheap. Um, It's going to cost me 150 bucks a month but it's already increased my mailing list by 50%. Now I had a small mailing list to begin with, but that's still 50 new names, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's in three weeks. Mm-hmm. And so going forward and I'm on uh, ad C, I should talk briefly, do you know what A-B testing is? It, it sounds very exciting, but it's like this. You have advertisement A mm-hmm. and advertisement B, yeah. and you run them both and see which one works better and the one that works better is the one you keep using and that's a b testing yeah um and so i did a b testing with this book and i'm on c because neither of them quite worked out and c is actually getting me um uh sorry dropping into marketing speak again uh impressions clicks and um uh what's the third one buy-in we'll go with buy yeah yeah so impressions are what facebook and twitter and all the and instagram and all these things try to sell you Mm -hmm. you can get impressions yeah impressions mean eyes have landed on your advertisement. Yeah. So I'm getting a thousand impressions a day. A thousand people see the ad today in their Facebook feed. Now let's take a moment to think about our Facebook feed, shall we? Yeah. Do you remember any of the ads you've seen today in your Facebook feed? Nope. Nope. And so that's impressions. It means nothing, Yeah. right? It means that there's, but the important thing out of impressions is the number of interactions you get out of that impressions Mm -hmm. uh with facebook you're running about i don't know maybe one percent yeah um but if a thousand people see your see your ad a day and 10 of them click on it Mm -hmm. which takes you to your website Mm -hmm. and 25 percent of those decide to sign up yeah that's where your real number comes in right? right and so when we look at advertising we have to look at What is the value of those impressions? Um, And right now, the the third ad is working pretty good, but I'm also paying for the cheapest possible advertising right now, as opposed to, I'll give more money to make sure my ad is there. Because the more you spend, the more you own, right? Um, And so it's a a real problem for a lot of us, because I don't have thousands of dollars in free cash to throw away during this (laughs) pandemic where I've been sitting gloriously on my yacht shipping champagne. Right. I'm I work for a living like everyone else. And I, yeah. I got only so much time and I got a wife and a kid and I got, and I got, and I got bills. Right. Uh-huh. And so we have to dedicate our time and our money to finding how that marketing will be most effective. Right, and right now, Facebook ads are one of the more effective ways. The most effective thing for getting readers um, is reviews. Mm-hmm. People review your book. They like your book and they want to tell others about your book. Yeah. And of course, that's a double-edged sword because we all know what happens if we don't get good reviews.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, my second book, uh, Cold Magics, was the first book from my publisher reviewed by Publishers Weekly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, can... I didn't say it was the first good review. <laughs> <laughs> and it was hilarious because my publisher is like, okay, I want you to know it's it's not a great review, but, but it's really important that we got reviewed on Publishers Weekly and we're so happy. And I'm like, okay. I was an actor for fifteen years <laughs> and one time I was hitchhiking in England and stood by the m one highway with my thumb up for five hours while well ten thousand cars an hour passed me. yeah, it teaches you to handle rejection yeah. <laughs> um, and, and, uh, it, cold magic's actually people really liked it, except for the publisher except for the the writer from Publishers Weekly. oh well, what do you do right then, um, you, get
0: the, then you get the reviewer that somebody on Amazon that just reviews your book and Probably didn't even read it.
1: Yeah, <laughs> they and, just, and there's no are just there to no. just
0: write something really mean and then move on. because they—they yeah. they read it, they write something that's completely out of context of what you wrote.
1: And there—and there is now a process, I think, on Amazon where you can call Am- call Bull, call Bull and say, "Okay, um,
0: yeah, I've to
1: to a, This for yeah, you know what I mean, yeah." Because
0: yeah. like in my case, it was a student that didn't like me very much
1: so this they decided to I, go
0: on there and review my book and write a really nasty review of a book they didn't read. So yeah, pretty
1: funny I, I hope they graduated before they did that.
0: <laughs> um, I do have, uh, let's see, one last thing is uh, before I let you plug the book again, um, what would be a genre that you would, you would like to try? I mean, I know you're writing a mystery
1: story really with this fantasy novel, mm-hmm. but uh, what was another other one? It's an interesting question, because since I've been ghostwriting, I've done most of them. Um, uh, I've written superhero fiction, horror fiction, um, vampire stories, science fiction, mm-hmm. fantasy, uh, doing murder mysteries now, um, urban fantasy I've done. Um, so I've done a lot of them. Uh, not in my name, unfortunately, which is unfortunate, because some of the projects were really fun. Yeah. Um there's one I can't tell one of my favorite projects, which is I can't talk about it all, except say it was my favorite project, was fantasy and horror together, which was a, a lovely blend. Wow. So so I've done most of them. Um I love science fiction, but I don't write a lot of it. Mm-hmm. I've written some. I've done some short stories for uh for uh, I did a short story for an anthology uh called uh When the Villain Comes Home was the name of the anthology, published by Dragon Moon Press. Great anthology about what happens. It was, it was a sequel anthology. The second one I got invited to. The, the first one was When the Hero Comes Home. Mm-hmm. What Happens After the Story? Yeah. And the one I wrote for that was a piece about a, a, a soldier with PTSD. Oh. Uh, it was written during uh, Canada's precipitation in the Afghanistan War and watching all these guys come home and that's what inspired it. Yeah. Uh, when the Villain Comes Home is a, a time travel piece about a villain who goes back to the helpless part of his childhood wow and has to try and escape it um and and so i, I love writing uh science fiction but i don't get a chance to do it much because my my focus is is fantasy i i find there's something about the fantasy genre that speaks to me more in than the science fiction genre does and i'm not sure why that is yeah. um because god knows there's brilliant science fiction out there um, of course, we all know Heinlein is one of the grandmasters. Asimov, yeah. Um, Ray Bradbury when he wasn't writing horror. Um, <laughs> uh, oh, uh, you know, thinking back over time, there's some wonderful new ones out. Um, my, my uh, favorite,
0: I guess you'd probably guess, is Philip K. Dick.
1: Yeah, you mentioned him before, I've and yeah, compared to him. Yeah, <laughs> that's nice. <laughs> Ho- hopefully, not in just a last name thing because that would be embarrassing. Oh, no, it no, sure,
0: no, uh, would be embarrassing. I would recommend, if you want to just read something interesting uh, about him, there's a book called The The Exegesis of of Philip K.
1: Dick, and it's all his notes. Pause while I put put it on my, look, it's a modern age, I'm writing notes on my phone. (laughs) What's the title? The Exegesis of Philip K.
0: Dick. It's quite a thick book because it's all of his notes, and he details his uh, bizarre view that... All of us creatives are simply channeling something real from another alternate universe.
1: You know, I've I've heard less strange. I've heard more strange things. Um, but it, but it's 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 one of those things where. Okay, my wife, um, among other things, is an archaeologist. She is. Uh, oh, wow. she's, currently a, she's currently a city planner. <laughs> oh thank goodness! I thought you had a power out of it. <laughs> no. um, She's currently a city planner. She works as an archaeologist for many years. And, and one of the things that has always annoyed the hell out of her is it was aliens. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I, I hear what Philip Kadick is saying, and I'm kind of like, uh huh, so it was aliens. Um, and the question is whether channeling something from another universe makes us creative more or less than what we are. Yeah. Because the creative process. And I'm speaking as a writer, I'm speaking as an actor, I'm speaking as a fight director, man. Because yeah. um, teaching two actors how to beat the hell out of each other on stage and make it look real is a whole creative process unto itself, um, is something that each is unique to each of us in how we do it. Um, I, I give courses uh, often at conventions, uh, I'll do panels on um, what, how, to, how to write basically. Um, it's called getting to done. Yeah. is the name of the panel. I've done it four or five cons. Usually with other authors who write much more than I do and are much better and I just sort of um, <laughs> act as the narrator and let them talk. Yeah. And, and one of the things I say is there's a wrong way and there's a right way to write things.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The wrong way is the way that doesn't let you finish. Mm, and the yeah. right way is different for everybody. Yeah. And, and so when, when Philip says, okay, well, we're channeling something from another universe. Well, we all channel it really damn differently if we do because um, I know I need my thousand words a day. You need your thousand words a day. There's um, yeah. a writer who's, whose name I forget because I'm terrible with names and quite a good one who takes six weeks every year and writes three books. Wow. And that's it. Yeah. She goes on vacation for six weeks, away from her family, away from everything, writes three books. Those three books get published. She does the same thing next year.
0: Charles um, Portis did that every year.
1: Yeah.
0: Charles Portis. Yeah. and So, go to a so all of our process write for yeah
1: yeah write a book and then he would go home mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah i was gonna say the other, the other tip i have to give to writers today is improve your typing speed yeah the faster you type the more you will write in a day <laughs> <Huh>? <laughs> it's, true. it's
0: true i'm very thankful for my typing teacher when i was in high school she taught me how to type yeah i am
1: blinding fast i can type so fast <laughs> I am envious as hell because typing was one of those courses I decided I didn't need because I was going to be an actor. <laughs> Actors don't type. <sighs> <sighs> yeah, I was one of the letters. All right. Well,
0: tell us, uh, tell us again about the book. and. Um, the book is The
1: Trials of Abelith. It's the first book in my uh, Stalker's Chronicles. Um, it's actually a prequel to all the books that follow. Um, it is about a young woman who wants to be a knight more than anything in the world. She can ride, she can shoot, she can wrestle, she can sword fight. She has a little trouble with magic, but she's sure that she can get over that. She wasn't expecting to have one of the other knight's initiates murdered on her first day there. And therein begins our story. Speaking of elevator pitches, can you tell I haven't written the one for this one yet? <laughs> yes. um it's one of those ones where i like you know damn i should write that before i start publishing oh well i'm busy (laughs) but uh it's the first book in the series you can get it um on amazon on smash swords i think on google play i'm not sure if it's up there yet it was going to be on apple books but honest to god their load up process is a nightmare and i haven't figured it out yet. so i'm just like you know what too bad um i got three platforms um it's on overdrive through smash sword so tell your local library to stock to stock it in their ebook collection Uh um or if you don't want to spend any money you can get it free by going to my website eric buchanan that's e-r-i-k-b-u-c-h-a-n-a-n dot c-a Mm -hmm. not.com i'll put a link link to it at
0: the the bottom too
1: perfect not.com that's owned by a california computer guy <laughs> he bought it the day before I bought mine. I swear. I looked at it two days before and said, okay, I got to make sure I got money for this. Came back two days later and he got it. Yeah. Darn you. But apparently he's very good with computers and, and programs. So, you know, if you want that, you can check him out. But <laughs> Ca. You land on the home page. There it is. There's the newsletter sign-up. You sign up for the newsletter. You get your free copy of the trials of Abuath. And it will hopefully be the beginning of a wonderful adventure. I've got Four more books written. Oh, sorry, I've got three wow. more books written. I'm writing the fourth right now. The cool. second one has just gone to the editor, and I'm hoping to launch it in April. Awesome. And then hopefully getting a one out every two or three months for the rest of the year and the years that follow. Cool. And it all really depends on all of you, dear listeners, going out and buying them because I need the money. You hear that? Go out and buy our books. <laughs> buy our books. <laughs> buy my books. Buy Rogers' books. Buy all the books.
0: Yeah. Because the more read, read, you read. buy,
1: the better human being you are. Exactly. Where. <laughs>
0: much for this well this wonderful interview we've learned so much about uh, marketing about and i i do thank you for dropping putting that marketing hat on that that's really helpful to writers out there who are indies are trying to do this it's um, it's
1: one of the things that um a lot of people don't realize is that when you become an indie you're not an indie writer mm-hmm. there's no such thing as an indie writer mm-hmm. there are indie publishers yeah and cool. each one of us, when we decide to take our writing out to the world by ourselves, we become publishers. Yeah. And so we have to start thinking as publishers and marketing and doing that work as well as being a writer. So I hope it helps, and I'm, I'm glad to share.
0: All right. Well, thank you so much. This has been Roger Colby and Eric Buchanan, and this is Writing uh, Hard Work. Uh, don't forget, uh, the only thing that's going to get your book written is, heart, is bum glue and fingers moving.